welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on this Tuesday, as week two of the NFL officially concluded with a couple of games. Okay, games. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, my name is Peter Klein. Thank you all so much for tuning in. For those of you listening, thank you so much. Rate, review, subscribe to, pod, uh, to the podcast wherever you can. That kind of stuff really does help. For those of you watching, thank you so much. Um, you can subscribe to the channel, like the video, share it with your friends. That kind of stuff really does help me continue to grow this thing. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all so much. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email this show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Coming up on the program today, a lot of football talk as we get into the waiver wire for week two, or I guess getting ready for week three in the National Football League. Uh, we look at the 0-2 teams in the NFL and how concerned they should actually be. Uh, we get into the shitty fantasy football team that could have beat yours this week, and then we wrap up the show beginning our NHL previews, looking at the top 10 players in the NHL for the 2023-2024 season. Should be a whole lot of fun. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, let's begin in the National Football League, and let's go with our waiver wire look for week three, coming off of uh, interesting week two. It was... Um, Obviously, the, the big news coming out of Monday Night Football is Nick Chubb um, announced just before I hit record on this that his season has come to an end for the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, just a devastating, devastating knee injury. If you haven't seen it yet, consider yourself lucky because um, it's it's a rough one for sure. And now for um, for Nick Chubb owners, obviously, if you're watching the previews this year, you, you know he was someone who I was putting a lot behind and and putting a, a lot of hype into. But for, for our perspectives, that's not like, I mean, for our perspective, that's important, but in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that important as this is someone who dealt with a rather catastrophic knee injury back in 2015. Hopefully he is okay, but boy, it didn't look like it. Um, so you just first and foremost hope that he is all right. And it, it was weird. I was thinking coming out of um, the games on Sunday, I was like, you know, we didn't like we had a bunch of real bad ones on Mon or on on week one, but we didn't really have like a, a devastating injury here to for fantasy owners. And then that happened. So uh, we'll be looking at a few replacement options today at the running back position. But let's start at quarterback. Um, and there's a, a couple of quarterbacks who I think could be of great use to fantasy players this week. One of them is Matthew Stafford. 35% owned for an LA Rams team that a, a lot of people kind of pronounced dead even before the season started. And th this is a, a Rams offense that even without Cooper Cup has started to find a bit of a rhythm. And people were worried about that after tweets came out about Matthew Stafford maybe not necessarily jiving with everything going on with the, uh, the, the young wide receivers out in LA. But that hasn't really been a problem so far. This is a Rams team that's playing better than people anticipated through two weeks of the season. And Stafford is chief among them. He has been really, really good so far, and at just 35% owned, if you have dealt with some quarterback issues, or could be, or just want a, a bi-week savior, I guess, uh, Matthew Stafford is a, a very, very viable option 
for you. If you're looking a little bit further in the discount aisle, Baker Mayfield, still 15% owned. We've been saying for a couple of weeks, this is an offense that is going to have some value, both in the um, regular NFL and from a fantasy football perspective. You saw it last week with Mike Evans, boosted. Um, but Baker Mayfield is certainly someone who is going to be good enough. That This isn't going to be a league winner by any stretch of the imagination, but if you lost Aaron Rodgers and tried to replace him with someone who sucked, uh, this would be the time to maybe bounce back with a, a Baker Mayfield. I, I think he's going to be a strong option at quarterback. We got a bunch of running back options uh, for you here. The, the first one is obviously Jerome Ford. Um, that's everyone's kind of best guess as to who's going to take over the backfield in Cleveland. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Kareem Hunt made an appearance um, there. And if you are someone who's comfortable owning Kareem Hunt, then knock yourself out. Uh, that That is not the direction that I would go. But that's just more of a personal choice than anything like that. But um, there, right now, Jerome Ford is going to be the guy, I, I think, in Cleveland. Um, we haven't seen enough of him to, to get a real in-depth, thorough breakdown on him, but he's going to get some opportunities on a Cleveland offense that looks a little bit better than some people may have expected. Um, also, the beneficiary of injuries, uh, Craig Reynolds. He uh, he might be owned in your league. He is, after all, 0% owned. Uh, the Detroit running back who could be taking over a lot of the carries for David Montgomery, who went down with an injury. I know a lot of people are going to say, David Montgomery's out, time for Jameer Gibbs. It has been so apparent through two weeks that the Detroit Lions do not trust this kid in every situation yet. That doesn't mean that he's just going to be the, the little speed option in running back fields for the rest of his career. That just means that two weeks into being a professional, that maybe they don't think he's got everything completely locked down and they want to just throw him to the Wolves on a team that fancies themselves a contender in the NFC North and maybe the NFC as a whole. So I think that they are are going to go much more by committee, and I think Craig Reynolds is going to be the beneficiary of that. Another running back who could benefit from uh, an injury situation is Matt Breida, running back for the New York Giants. The the Giant, like he's not Saquon Barkley, very clearly. He might take on the play the role of Saquon Barkley, but he he ain't that dude. But he's going to be used as that dude in New York. That this is a team that is desperate for any kind of weapon to step up in uh, on this offense. Uh, Darren Waller has. The receivers, there might be a couple who are separating themselves, but it's still tough to see. Matt Breida is a guy who I think can step up here for, for the Giants. Again, not a league winner, but someone who you can plug in, get you a few points, maybe he stumbles into the end zone, and you have a successful week. Um, Savon Ahmed is another one who I, I would be looking at. 1% owned right now. They, they clearly don't really trust A-Chain just yet. Um... And Raheem Mostert is getting so much of the work until Jeff Wilson comes back. Anyway, I would anticipate the defense that we saw Miami face against New England, where it was basically three high up top and just begging them to, to do anything underneath. I, I would anticipate that's going to be a defense Miami sees a little bit more of. And so I think there's going to be quite a bit of room in the running game. A, I don't think Miami is going to want to have Raheem Mostert getting the amount of carries that he's getting. And B... If he does, this is not someone who has a sparkling track record in terms of staying healthy. Not long-term injuries, but out a game or two. Achman is someone who I think could come in and fill that space. So that this is more of a long-term play, but I think Savan Ahmed is certainly someone who could fill a role on your bench. Uh, also 1% owned Latavius Murray. He seems to be the backup to James Cook right now. Um, Cook is going to get the, the majority of work, but A, again, one injury away. And B, Murray got a lot of work in mop-up duty, including getting a touchdown. I wonder if we see him a little bit more around the goal line for the, the Buffalo Bills. So that one is a, a speculative ad at 1%. And then this one, 17%, Ty J Spears. Derrick Henry 
is looking a little slow. I believe it was 25 carries for 80 yards. He's still a beast. He is still a monster, but he's not Derrick Henry capital letters anymore. Ty J Spears, I think, is going to get more and more of this backfield as it goes along, and he is going to be utilized by the Tennessee Titans. I think he would be a very smart pickup for running back needy teams this week. At wide receiver, 2-2 at will. Again, is he the most skilled receiver for the, the LA Rams? No. Um, I, I When everyone's healthy, I would say he's probably third or fourth. But he's, what we just talked about Matthew Stafford, this is an offense that is going to put up points. At least for the first couple of weeks, it certainly looks that way. And Atwell, for the next couple at least, is going to get some opportunities in this offense. So uh, I think he is absolutely someone who you need to look at to, to boost up your wide receiver room. Also at wide receiver, another Reynolds from the Detroit Lions, Josh Reynolds. Big day last week. I am not someone who puts a lot of trust into what we saw from the Detroit Lions offense a week ago against the Seattle Seahawks. I definitely think they're more the 21-point team that we saw in week one than the 30-something point team that we saw in week two. But Reynolds is certainly going to have his share of the targets, at least until Jamison Williams comes back. Um, this is, I think, someone who his skill set is desperately needed on this Detroit Lions team and I think can step up and get you quite a few fantasy points if wide receiver was a position that you are lacking in. Uh, last one for me, Jaden Reed. 10% owned. I, when everyone's healthy, he's kind of the three um, for, for Green Bay, and then with, with Aaron Jones might be the four. But this is a team that's been banged up, and he might separate himself as one of the, the more talented players. He, he's just... Th this is oversimplifying things. He's just good at football. And having those guys on your fantasy team are never bad to have. We, we had Chris, uh, Christopher Harris on when, when this show was launching. Um, he, he is very much a proponent of, hey, let's just get some talented guys on and, and see what we can get. This is a Green Bay Packers offense that can put up numbers. And Reed is extremely, I think, talented at the receiver spot. So that this is, I think, could be a sneaky ad at the wide receiver position. At tight end, I continue to wonder how Logan Thomas is 3% owned. He's had back-to-back -back pretty good weeks, at least high-volume weeks, for the, the Washington Commanders. Tight end is an absolute wasteland right now. Logan Thomas can be someone who can help you out with that. And Zach Ertz, 10% owned. Um, he gets a little bit more work this week, or at least a little bit more connection this week with Joshua Dobbs. But um, he is a player who led tight ends and targets last week, still had a bunch this week. He is going to be a part of this offense. This is not a home run swing. This is just a single to get you through, but sometimes those work. Uh, our streaming defense is this week, Jacksonville at 16%, and Carolina's defense, I, I think they're doing something there in Carolina with the defense. Team still sucks, but I, I think the defense is certainly one to watch out for. So there is your waiver wire look for week two. After week two, for week three. Um, all right, it is now time. I, I really enjoyed doing this last year. I enjoyed doing it last week. We all know fantasy football can be very, very mean sometimes. Um, it, it can be fun, but it can also be very mean. And to demonstrate that, here is this week's really shitty fantasy football team that might have beat yours. Again, we think it's all skill and stuff. Sometimes it's a lot of luck. Um, and that is proven here. Quarterback for the shitty fantasy football team this week is Joshua Dubs, 2% owned, 25% points for Arizona, or sorry, 25 points for Arizona this week against the New York Giants. Uh, at running back, Jerome Ford stepping in for an injured Nick Chubb, 11% owned, 21.16 fantasy points. Our RB2, Tony Jones, in for a banged up Jamal Williams. He is 0% owned, put up 15.4 fantasy points. At wide receiver, Josh Reynolds, mentioned him in the waiver wire call uh, comment, 12% owned, 
18.6 fantasy points, tied with Brandon Johnson, who could walk up to me and introduce himself as, hi, I'm Brandon Johnson, and I wouldn't know who that is. 0% owned, but he put up 18.6 points for the Denver Broncos this week. At tight end, Logan Thomas, 3% owned, 8.2 fantasy points. Our flex is Jaden Reed, 10% owned, 15.7 fantasy points, and the defense this week, Seattle, 13% owned, 13 fantasy points. If you're trying to do the math in your head, don't. I got you. 135.88 fantasy points for a team that, aside from the defense at 13% owned, the highest own percentage there, 12%. Fantasy football can be a cruel, cruel mistress. All right, let's get into um, more real-life NFL stuff. Uh, for lack of a better phrase, let's look at the 0-2 teams um, and see what our level of concern is with them. And going through this, I thought there'd be a couple that's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not all that worried. The lowest level of worry I have for these teams is medium. Um, I, I think that these are, and look, it's no surprise, 0-2, you're in trouble in a 17-game uh, season. No shit. But I, I do think that there are some teams that are in trouble here. Let's just scratch a few off the top right away here. Uh, the Texans, the Panthers, and the Arizona Cardinals. The concern for them is very high because they're all bad at this sport. That, that's basically it. Carolina's offense can't really do anything. Defense looks all right. Arizona, bad. Uh, and the Houston Texans, bad. So th th we're not going to spend too much. Uh, I've already spent too much of my voice on that. So, um... Let's start with Chicago. They're 0-2 in the NFC North. And I, this one is making me feel kind of dumb because I, I thought that this was going to be an offense that could take a step forward this year. And through, yeah, this year. And through two weeks, they have not. Justin Fields is missing some pretty easy reads, at least, again, from the couch. Um, that's the name of the show. Um, but I have been very concerned with how this offense has looked through a couple of weeks, and the defense hasn't really shown up in a big way either. So I don't know what there is to hang your hat on right now if you are a Chicago Bears fan. I think there should be a lot of concern about what's going on in Chicago. Sticking in that division, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. The one thing for Minnesota, they haven't been able to run the football at all, and trusting Kirk Cousins to chuck the ball downfield is concerning. Um, so that's not something you, you want to be really hanging your hat on. The, the reason that this isn't like very high, uh, my, my concern for them is high. Um, but the, the receivers that they have, like Jefferson, obviously maybe the best in the league. Um, and Addison is one of the like real shining lights from the, the, the rookies so far in the first couple of weeks. So the, the concern though for high uh, for them is high. I, I just, I don't know if the defense is good enough. Um, they can't run the ball at all and I don't trust the quarterback. So again, not a great combination. Really high is my concern for the LA Chargers because the thought coming into this season was Kellen Moore was going to unlock something in this offense and through a couple of weeks that just hasn't really been the case. Defensively, they've made a couple of real bad blunders leaving top wide receivers open. Um, Tyreek Hill burns them and DeAndre Hopkins comes up with a couple of big plays to, to kind of help the, the Titans pick up a big win in week two. This team is missing some real, real, almost layup type of plays. Um, on both offense and defense, and that, that is costing them. I do not have a high opinion of the coach. I do have a high opinion of the offensive coordinator, and I think that'll turn around, but through a couple of weeks, it is really concerning. The good news is Kansas City does lose in week one to, to Detroit, but 
the the Chiefs now have an opportunity, I think, to kind of run away and hide while the Chargers get their business figured out for like the 80th year in a row. Concern also very high in Cincinnati, where the Bengals are 0-2 to start the season. Joe Burrow dealing with the, the calf problems. The offense has just felt a little bit out of sync as he is starting to, to work his way back into it. The defense has been okay, but it, it feels like they're just kind of white-knuckling it and just trying to keep it between the lines at this point. So I, I think there are... Some real reasons for concern out in Cincinnati right now. And that is a division where Baltimore is 2-0 to, to start the season. Um, this looked like it could be one of the most competitive divisions in in the league. And through a couple of weeks, kind of looked like it might be. With, with Cleveland coming up with a big win in week one, and they keep it close with, with Pittsburgh in week two. And the Steelers come up with a pretty big win to kind of get their course set back straight. Uh, the last 0-2 team that we're going to look at here, the New England Patriots. And they're, my concern for them is only medium. Um, they're, they're in the AFC, so that's a bit of a problem. My expectations for them weren't high, so that helps them out a little bit. I just think this defense is actually quite good. Um, to, to only give up 25 and 24 points in the first couple of games this season um, against Philadelphia and Miami. Again, if that's your Super Bowl, uh, I don't think people would be running around in the streets wondering what happened. That This is two quality teams the Patriots have played, and their defense has kept them in both games. The offense is not good enough to, to get this team to the promised land, but I, I think that this will be a Patriots team that will end up being fine this season. Just, just fine this year for the New England Patriots. All right, we begin our NHL preview. Just a quick recap of looking at the best teams in the, or the, sorry, the best players in the National Hockey League for the upcoming season. Uh, just quickly, honorable mention, just players I want to highlight. This doesn't mean that these guys would have made a top 15 or anything like that, but Miro Heiskanen does not make the list. Um, but he is one of my favorite players to watch, and I, I think a, a budding superstar out in Dallas, along with his uh, teammate Robertson. Uh, those two are a couple of players who I'm quite excited to, to watch this year, um, as, as Dallas just perennially is a team that I just find fun um, because of some of the, the young players they have on the, the squad. So um, th those are a couple of guys who I I'm quite high on. Uh, Mikko Rantanen is just, again, he's great with the, the Colorado Avalanche. Didn't quite crack this list. Elias Pettersson, um, if he is on a team that would have been that could have had any success in the first few years, I think we are talking about this kid as one of the best players in the league. And if anyone is going to make a jump from this um, group into the, the the top ten, I think it absolutely could be him. David Pasternak, um, he, he kind of gets dinged because of who he was playing with. But if he still has a great year away from Patrice Bergeron, then he absolutely could make his way into this list. And just because we needed a goalie, um, Connor Hellebuck, just for his how consistently good he's been over the, the last little while. Wanted like a, a Shesterkin or a Sorokin, but those two have kind of flip-flop in being great and good the last couple of years, and Hellebuck has just been consistently excellent, so that is it. Coming in at number 10 is Adam Fox. He has really turned himself into one of the, the premier defenders in the National Hockey League with a, a young team with the Rangers that kind of exceeded expectations and then failed to meet expectations all in the span of like 18 months. Um, he has been so so good. And it's going to hurt people in the market that I'm based out of here in Calgary to, to hear that as he's a former Flames draft pick, was essentially a throw-in in the um, Dougie Hamilton, Noah Hannafin, Elias Lindholm deals. Um, and then Carolina has to, to ship him out to, to New York. But he, he never wanted to sign anywhere but New York. And he has kind of... Um, 
I, I guess, validated the, the Rangers. I don't even want to say taking a chance on him because it, it was one of one. But he, he has certainly backed up any claims that may have been made about him as one of the, the better defenders in the league. At nine, I have Sebastian Ajo. Um, I, I just... I love watching this dude play. The the speed that he can play with, the the offensive touch that he has. I, I just love so much of his game with Carolina. Big year for him and for Carolina as they have kind of gone from, oh yeah, they're the bunch of idiots and they do all these things. So, oh man, hey, watch out for Carolina. But now we've had a few years in a row where we were watching out for Carolina and then we didn't have to watch Carolina anymore as they didn't make it past the, the first or second round. I think this is a, a really big year for, for, for Carolina. Uh, coming in at number eight is Mitch Marner the the playmaking ability phenomenal they trust him out there on the penalty kill um he just he th th this is such a cliche he does seem to really think the game at an extremely high level and he has the the skill and ability to to back it up and th there are a lot of times where he feels like he's the best player on the ice not someone who we're, we're going to mention uh, a little bit later on but the the skill and the the 200 foot game that he can play with is something that I, I really respect and admire uh at number seven th this probably feels a little bit low for him given the, the playoff run that he had but uh it's Matthew Kachuk, and he certainly has, I think, the most upward mobility on this list. I mean, technically, that's Adam Fox because he's the furthest down, but you know what I mean. Um, Matthew Kachuk could easily work his way into the, the top two or three um, a little bit more. A, a shaky... I don't even want to say shaky regular season because he was great in, in the regular season with the, the Florida Panthers. But I think a full year now with Florida, the whole team kind of gathered around figuring it out. I, I am really fascinated to see what the Panthers do this upcoming season. At six, it's Nikita Kucherov. The, the dude just scores. Like he, he has an absolute bullet of a shot. He is a danger anywhere in the offensive zone. Um can play that that really physical game that you, you kind of need when the games start to really matter. So he is absolutely someone who deserves to be on this list. At five, it is Austin Matthews, the power forward for the Toronto Maple Leafs, just signing a new extension. Um, he has certainly gone quiet at times where it has mattered, but he has also stepped up at, at times where it has mattered as well. Uh, like he, he is just someone who can kind of do it all offensively, power forward, great shot, good skating ability as well, can get to hard danger areas, can score when he doesn't have to get to hard danger areas. I just love so much of what, what he can do. A, a complete offensive game. At four, uh, the highest defenseman on this list is Kale McCarr. He is just an absolute prototype for what an NHL defenseman should be. A lot of times before, if a defenseman could skate really well, it's, ah, oh, yeah, but how well can they defend? Oh, uh, better than most. Um, to, to see him in the last couple of postseasons and to see him blossom from the, the Brooks Bandits in the Alberta Junior Hockey League on his way to the National Hockey League ha has been just quite the journey. And it feels like he's still getting better, which is kind of insane. At three, uh, I put Nathan McKinnon. There was a stretch there where it looked like he could be uh, the, the number one player. He, he's a former Hart Trophy winner. The The speed that he can play this game at is, I was going to say second to none. It's second to one. Um, he, he has a, a great shot. I love how they utilize him at kind of at the top of the offensive zone to just let him scan everything. He's got a, the shot and the playmaking ability to just kind of do that. Um, I remember there was a game at the Dome here this last year, and you just... Like, you're mesmerized by him. And he was just in, I'm going to make everyone around me better mode. And he can do that. He's good enough to do that. And then if, if the Flames weren't competitive even a little bit in that game. so But if he needed to take over that game, he could have. Um, and that two, Leon Dreisaitl. Again, complete package. Offensive upside out the wazoo. Um, defensively, kind of has a pretty good understanding of what he's supposed to be doing as well. Um, can skate like the wind. Can shoot like very few. 
Um, just anything you need him to do offensively, he's going to do it, and he's going to do it better than most. And at one, it's Connor McDavid. He's the best player in the world. Like, that, there's not a whole lot of argument there. He can play this game at a speed faster than anybody. He can think this game at a speed faster than anybody. And I don't just mean now. I mean ever. Um, well, what he is able to do out on a hockey rink is truly special. And we are... And I know I'm the Calgary dude hosted the game over Calgary. One of the hosts that came over Calgary. Um, so I'm not supposed to say nice things about uh, an Edmonton Oiler. We are absolutely lucky to be able to watch this dude on a, a night in, night out basis, or however often you watch him. Just make a point. He he has made the Edmonton Oilers must watch TV, so he must be doing something right. Um, okay, that is going to do it tomorrow for our NHL preview. We're going to be looking at the top ten players in the history of the NHL. So that I'm sure everyone will completely agree with. Uh, okay, that's going to do it for the program today. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening if you're doing so on podcast. Thank you for watching if you're doing so on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, like the video, or on podcast, leave a rating and subscribe to the channel. All of that stuff really does help. Like I said, tomorrow we are looking at the best players in NHL history, and we are looking at our CFL power rankings. Plus, we're going to look at the 2-0 teams and how for real are they. Went through the 0-2s, a little concerning. How much are we buying into some of the 2-0s? We will talk about that. And the Blue Jays play the Yankees tonight. I'm sure that won't be hard. Excuse me, uh, heartbreaking in any way, shape, or form. Anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all later.